lovely people, and welcome to episode 17 of Nath's Pod. Uh, I'm Nath, and I hope you've had a great week. It's been good here, um, although it's been pretty stormy for the last couple of weekends, certainly in lots of parts of the UK. So I hope you're all safe and sound, uh, and stay safe, because I know it's uh, there aren't a lot of dry days coming up, so there could be even more flooding and things, which isn't great. But um, stay safe. Uh, wherever you are. Um, So for this pod, uh, the last little while I've been thinking about a line from a book by Chris Vallotton, which is The uh, Supernatural Ways of Royalty. Uh, And in this book, he he puts out there an interesting definition of what humility is. And he says this, Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. Um, So this has been going around my head for the last kind of few months, really, and I've been kind of pondering it and thinking about it. Um, So with with this kind of thought about what humility is and the storms, uh, Kira and Dennis, uh, having happened and being on my mind, uh, this week we're going to turn the gem on two storm stories. So the first story is the story of Jonah, and this can be found in the book of Jonah, um, and we're going to look specifically at chapter one. But before we do that, we're going to do some background on what's been happening before we get to that, before we get to the the first chapter of Jonah. Uh, So in the years before this story, the Assyrians, who were the kind of big enemy of Israel at the time, uh, had been expanding their territory They'd been really pushing out and uh, warring with people. Uh, and they pushed their borders uh, so far that they extended, uh, by the time we get to Jonah, well into uh, modern-day Palestine. Okay, so this is a, a nation. The Assyrians were a nation that had been oppressing and waging war against Israel. Uh, in fact, in the preceding 70 years, um, they nearly doubled their land. They nearly doubled their kingdom. Uh, And so they were very powerful and they were known in the region for the violence, um, uh, for their their violent acts of war and how they would go to war against people. Uh, And Nineveh, which is relevant to the uh, Jonah story, uh, was thought to be the capital or certainly uh, like a key city in the Assyrian Empire. Um, It says in Jonah chapter 3 that Nineveh was so large it would take three days to see it all, which would have been an enormity in those days. So chances are it could well have been the capital of Assyria. Um, So that's just a little background um, before we get to the book of Jonah. So now onto the story. So in chapter 1, in verses 1 and 2 of of Jonah, uh, he, uh, he asked Jonah to get up and go to the great city of Nineveh that we've just spoken about and to tell them that he's going to judge them because of how wicked its people are. Okay? Not a cool message to go to your enemies and give. Um, and when we get to verse 3, we uh, <laughs> we see what Jonah does. It says, He got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from God. Now, if you've ever read any of the Old Testament, you will know that this is definitely not a good idea. Right? It's, this is not going to go well for him. Just upping and going in the opposite direction to your God is not a great, great plan. But off he goes to the port of, it says to the port of Joppa, 
And there he gets on a boat that's going to Tarshish, uh, which is in Spain, in an, in an attempt to escape God, to outrun God. Uh, but on the way to Tarshish, um, God caused a storm to rise up and it threatened to break the boat apart and the sailors on the boat start praying to their gods for help, right? Uh, so this serious storm begins to happen and they even begin to throw all the cargo overboard. Then we get to verse 5 and while all this is going on, it says Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain goes down and finds Jonah and asks him to pray to his God so that his God might help them. The crew, after that, then cast lots to find out who's offended the gods. So it's a common thought in, that, in those times that any kind of bad uh, fortune, any kind of bad thing happening was the result of someone offending the gods, right? And we, even now, we still, like in insurance contracts, we still have acts of God clauses. You know, if this natural disaster happens, well, it's an act of God. And so it, in many respects, we're, we're quite the same as these people. Um, anyway, they cast the lots. And, it, and Jonah, it comes up in the lots that Jonah is the problem. So what do they do? Well, they think, well, he's the problem. So they throw him overboard. And then Jonah famously gets swallowed by a big fish. And chances are, that's the thing you remember about the story that a guy goes overboard and he gets swallowed in a big fish and he's in the belly of the fish for three days. Okay, so that's the first part. That's essentially the first chapter of the Jonah story. So here is the second storm story. That's a very hard thing to say, storm story. Uh, but this one involves Jesus and it's from Mark 4, verses 35 to 41. And it says this. On that day... When evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear, and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So there are a number of similarities in these stories, which you've probably realised. So we're just going to look at a couple, and we're going to see what we can see. So we know that Jonah has a very difficult message to bring to the people in Nineveh. Okay, His message is that God's going to destroy you because of your wickedness and violence. So, I mean, imagine taking that message right to the very heart, the very kind of seat of your greatest enemy at the time, to a, and to a people who are famed for their violent acts and conquering new territories, right, and expanding what they have. You know, when you when you begin to think of that, you think, well, it's no wonder that Jonah didn't want to go, right? He probably thought that he'd be killed for just stepping in into the Assyrian land. Um, quite rightly, I imagine he probably would have been killed. 
Uh, so Jonah has this really difficult message to bring right into the heart of, a, of, an, of enemy territory. But so does Jesus. Now in the first part of the Jesus story, Jesus just, it says, it just says to his disciples, let us go across to the other side, okay? Now that seems simple enough, but Jesus and his disciples would have been going from a, uh, an area that was predominantly Jewish on the west of the Sea of Galilee, and they would have been moving to a region that was predominantly Gentile, a predominantly Gentile region on the east side. And they were heading, it says, uh, to the Gerasenes, which is in a place called the Decapolis. Uh, so the Decapolis uh, was an area of 10 um, Greco-Roman cities that had been set up for soldiers to make their home, for soldiers to settle down and, and live in a place. Uh, so... And, it, and so within these 10 cities, they set up their own court system, temples, currency, army, you know, all, all the stuff that you would need um, to kind of conquer and live in a new region. OK, so so when Jesus says, let's go across to the other side, he's not just wanting to get away from people, though it does say that, or go for a nice sail on the sea. Instead, what, what that is happening, but what also is happening is he's going right to the heartland of the empire that's been oppressing the, the, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people. He's going to a place where, um, where there have very recently been violent revolts and battles. And it's to these, these Gentiles, these people who are these outsiders who have been oppressing his people. He's, he's going to them to announce and live and see the kingdom of God come. So they both have a message and they both have to go somewhere. But as they're both going in these different directions, okay, Jesus is sailing to the east and, and Jonah, who was supposed to be going east, but is actually going west, heading towards Spain, uh, they both encounter storms on these journeys. Um, so on the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus is, the storm comes and Jesus is napping in the boat and the disciples are getting pretty upset because they think they're going to die. And remember, at this point, he has fishermen with him. Some of his disciples were fishermen, so they would have known the seas. They would have known what storms could do. So they're taking this real seriously. But here's Jesus asleep in a boat. And so they ask him, well, how can you sleep while this is going on? We're about to perish. We're about to die. How can you, how can you do this? Uh, and then Jesus gets up. And he tells the storm to stop, and it does. And so Jesus is the solution in the storm. Now let's look at Jonah's. In Jonah's story, the storm starts, and again, like Jesus, he is sleeping in the ship. And the captain comes to him and says, well, how can you sleep, right? We're about to die. Again, it's the whole disciples thing. We're about to die. Pray to your God. Pray that our lives would be spared. And after this, after they've done that, Jonah confesses after they've done the lots that it's all his fault and that they should throw him into the sea to stop the storm. And it says the crew, this is what it says, threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. So again, like Jesus, Jonah is the solution to the storm.
You see, the storm is the turning point for Jonah. He realises that he's going to get other people killed if he doesn't do something. If he doesn't go, a bit like if he doesn't go and tell the people of Nineveh what God plans to do to them, he's essentially sending them to their deaths, right? Because they wouldn't know that this God isn't happy with them, so they wouldn't have a chance to repent. Because they were being successful, because the Assyrians were being successful in oppressing these people and pushing into new territory, they would have assumed, oh, the gods, all the gods are on our side, look how well this is going. So if Jonah didn't go, they would have been killed. They would have had no chance to turn around and stop doing what they were doing. And possibly even Jonah's thinking at, you know, at this point, well, the, that's what the people of Nineveh deserve. They deserve to die. They deserve to not know what's happening. And he, maybe he wants them to be destroyed. But during the storm, he begins to think about others and not just himself or his people. Jonah, Jonah tells the crew to throw him overboard. Right? And probably he's thinking, well, if I go overboard in this storm, that's it, I'm dead. Okay? So his decision is, well, it's better that I die than these die. And I will and I will give my life to save these people. Right? And they're people he doesn't even know. And you can begin to see now, as we as I begin to talk about this, how he's beginning to take on the character of Jesus. Okay? And and Jesus, this the one who embodied um, enemy love and other-centeredness and self-giving um, and just showed the love of God on earth. In his story, he's going to the nation who've trampled all over God's chosen people. And for Jesus, the, well, the storm is just part of the journey. Storms, they're going to come and go, but there's a bigger purpose than just surviving the storm because he's going to a, a new people to announce that uh, that God is for them and is not against them, that they have a hope and a future and that the kingdom of heaven is, is right now and it's right here among them. And so Jesus lived this life of humility, this life of not thinking less of himself, but thinking of himself less. And in fact, he's so for these people that he humbles himself to death, even death on a cross, it says in Philippians. He's always, Jesus is always looking to the other. And Jonah starts off by only thinking of himself. But eventually, Jonah steps up and does what Jesus has said and shown in his life. Love your enemy. And as Jonah went to Nineveh, he was acting as a true son of his father in heaven. Jonah thinks he's going to be killed. And Jesus probably knows he's going to be killed. But they go anyway. And so we're called to this humility. We are called to love our enemy. We are called to go even when we think it's going to be hard. And we're still called to go even if we run the other way. When we don't think those people that I'm, I'm, I'm going to are going to accept the love that I have to give. We can still go and embrace the discomfort. Knowing that we might be rejected, but also knowing that I've done my part. You know, and who knows, right? When we get there we may even be surprised.
Well, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, Stay safe this week. Don't get blown away. And as always, remember this. I love you. And I will see you next time. Thank you.